Hello, and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. It's Tuesday, and I'm your host for the rest of the week, Dave Nolander. Last Friday, CNN released a series of texts between Utah Senator Mike Lee and former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows that revealed just how involved Lee was in Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Managing editor Grant Birmingham caught up with Tribune politics reporter Brian Schott, who wrote a pair of articles about the text exchanges and explored what fallout, if any, Lee may experience as a result. With us now to talk about the text messages which came out from Senator Mike Lee showing that he was working with the Trump administration very early on in an effort to change the outcome of the 2020 election is Brian Schott. Brian, thanks for talking. Anytime. Can you tell us from the top what we learned from these text messages? What we learned is that Senator Mike Lee played a central role in the effort to overturn the 2020 election results in favor of Donald Trump. Um, We learned that Lee has not been entirely honest about his involvement up until this point. Uh, If you'll remember, probably last summer, um, we learned from the release of the book by Bob Woodward that Lee had received a memo from lawyer John Eastman Uh, And he said that he had received it just a couple of days before January 6th. And in this memo, uh, it laid out a plan to send alternate electors to Congress to stop the certification of uh, Joe Biden's win. And he said that he was shocked by this memo. Uh, That was not the case. Mike Lee was actually promoting Eastman more than almost a month before he said that he learned of this plan. So he knew of the plan. He was pushing this plan. We also learned that he advocated for Sidney Powell, one of Trump's lawyers, to get access to Trump. And you remember her. She uh, was the person who advocated the or or pushed the Kraken lawsuit, which never went anywhere. And now she's facing a ton of sanctions for pushing false claims about the 2020 election. She's also been being sued by Dominion Voting Systems and Smartmatic for a couple billion dollars. Um, But Mike Lee was pushing for her to get access. So essentially what we learned is Mike Lee was all in on the effort to overturn the election in favor of Trump. The other part that we learned is that he only backed away at the end because he didn't like the tactics. You know, you'll hear his defenders say that ultimately he didn't vote to not certify the election results, but that's only because he didn't like the tactics. We found out that all the way up until the end, he was lobbying state legislators to come up with some rationalization to send alternate electors or even pass a resolution or put something maybe on a napkin or a piece of paper saying that they would they might possibly vote to send alternate electors to Congress. Right up until the end, he was looking for some sort of justification so that he could join this effort. And, and, and it's really kind of shocking uh, how involved he was in this, especially given uh, all of his talk about fealty to the Constitution. So if we can fast forward just a tiny bit all the way up to January 6th, uh, mm-hmm. which is the day of the insurrection at the Capitol, we know that Lee ultimately voted to certify the vote. What else happened with Lee on that date? As you know, there was the attack on the U.S. Capitol, and I, I texted 
Senator Lee to ask him what had happened. And he told me a story about how President Trump uh, misdialed his phone looking for newly elected uh, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville. And the night before, Rudy Giuliani had misdialed his phone and left a voicemail for Tuberville on Lee's phone. So you now have to start to try and put pieces to together. And again, we don't know exactly what had happened, but there's a missing seven and a half hour block from the White House phone re- records. Um, during that time, we do know the White House called Lee. Did they call him from a White House number? Did they call him from a so-called bur- burner phone? We may find that out down the line. But you also have to show that that story where the White House misdialed Lee, coupled with all the efforts that he had going right up to January 6th before he decided not to do this, it just shows that there was a reason why they were calling him so often and probably a reason why they misdialed his phone because they were calling him a lot. As he said, he'd been working 14 hours a day trying to convince these legislatures to send those alternate state uh, slates of, of electors. So it's, it's not hard to put two and two together and realize that's the reason why they called him. The conventions are this weekend. The Republican convention is this weekend. Are you expecting anything to happen to Lee from the Utah Republican Party? Do you think that anything will happen to him from Utah voters because of his his involvement? I had one prominent Republican operative uh, as I was talking to him as, uh, as these text messages came to light. And they said to me, Mike Lee could literally go up on stage at the convention and read these tech text messages for his speech on Saturday, and he would get a standing ovation. The Republicans love him. Uh, Republican delegates love him. Now, as you know, the decision's been taken out of their hands because Mike Lee, Becky Edwards, Ali Isom all have secured enough signatures to get to the primary. So it doesn't matter what the delegate vote is. Uh, I do expect Edwards and Isom to get booed on Saturday simply because these delegates Uh, adore Mike Lee. They love the way that he talks about the Constitution. And so I I don't expect that. Now, there is a possibility that these actions might turn off some of the uh, uh, Republican voters who are unsure about his uh, work for Trump, how close he was to Trump. Maybe they didn't like the way January 6th went down. There is an opening for a candidate like Evan McMullen, who's running as an independent and maybe he gives those Republican and independent voters who normally would vote for Mike Lee over a Democrat, maybe he gives them somewhere to go. Lee still got to be seen as the favorite. So I would not be surprised if he does not suffer any political consequences for this. All right, Brian Schott, thank you for talking. Sure. For a timeline of Senator Lee's actions leading up to the text messages, I have a story online now at sltrib.com that explains how Mike Lee went from supporting an independent presidential candidate in 2016 to looking for ways to help Trump overturn the 2020 election. Next, Tribune data columnist Andy Larson walks us through a sneaky tactic dubbed shrinkflation that some product manufacturers use to combat rising prices. There are three ways the makers of common grocery store products can deal with the rising costs due to inflation. First, some companies just absorb the cost to keep their prices the same. Arizona iced teas, for example, stayed at 99 cents since 1992, despite a dollar then being worth twice as much as a dollar now. The obvious second tactic is just to raise prices, and we've seen that from innumerable companies. But a third tactic, dubbed shrinkflation, 
can actually be even more effective in keeping customers and raising profits, according to the studies that have looked at the matter. So, for example, when McCormick, the spice company, shrunk their pepper products by 25%, so, for example, a 4-ounce tin becoming a 3-ounce tin, they saw rising sales. All of a sudden, their tins were cheaper than their competitors, even if they were a little bit smaller. It's effective because consumers just don't frequently pay attention. Indeed, thousands of products have reduced in size or weight in recent years, according to a United Kingdom study, a partial list of which you can see on our website on sltrib.com. There we also give resources to watch so you know when products are shrinking in the future. Thanks, Andy. And speaking of data, a new Pew Research study found that more journalists are covering statehouse politics this year than compared to data from 2014, and Utah saw about a 52% increase of reporters covering the legislature and Utah's elected leaders. However, the increase does come with a caveat. Since 2014, only one more reporter is now covering Utah politics full-time, most doing it part-time while also covering other beats. And along with more reporters, there has been an increase in restrictions placed on journalists covering the Capitol. Lawmakers in the Utah House and Senate both made it harder for journalists to access lawmakers for questions during the legislative session this year. That's it today for the Daily Buzz. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and let your friends and family know about us. You can listen to new episodes on any of your favorite streaming apps. I'd like to thank the Salt Lake Tribune's Sage Miller for editing the Daily Buzz today and Salt Lake City band the Pelicans for our music. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more news tomorrow. Tomorrow.